Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We've all been fascinated with serial killers over the years. But, you know, in Kansas City, what do we have? Uh, uh, Bob Bordello. Bob Bordello, of course. Bob's Bizarre Bazaar that was based out of the Westport Flea Market. With Johnny, Johnny, Ro- Robinson. Johnny Robinson. The slave yeah. master who... You know, it's at one point was working out of that hotel right off 87th and I-35. Oh, God, I didn't yeah. know that. And yeah. I think some of the barrels he stored, too. Every time I drive by there when we go to Whitney's mom and dad's in Raymore, he stored yes. some of the barrels up in Raymore. That's where they dug them up. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and some other ones. But th- those stand out in modern times. And then you get to Wichita, BTK, bind, torture, kill. A guy that was, I mean, a true, true psychopath. Yeah. Uh, in all ways, outwardly, he worked. He was in his church. He was active in the community. He had children. He had a he, wife. He could split it. He yeah. walks among us. Our next guest is a loss prevention officer for Invista Credit Union and former 19-year senior special agent for the Kansas Bureau of Investigation, who made a name for himself for his part in bringing Dennis Rader, otherwise known as the BTK killer, to justice. And now you can find out all about the case that gripped the Midwest in two documentaries, the A&E documentary, BTK Confessions of a Serial Killer, and episode one of season two of the Netflix docuseries, Catching Killers. Please welcome, Ray Lundin. Ray, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much. So your nephew Clay had texted us on on the text line and and said that, you know, you were involved in this. And, of course, we all jumped at it because it's just down the road in Wichita. And it was one of the scariest serial killer stories I ever remember getting, uh, uh, you know, reading about. Yeah, he, uh, I mean, he scared the hell out of people in Wichita for, you know, 10, 20 years. I mean, um, just because he was so crazy and it was so violent and, uh and so unpredictable. You never knew where he was going to show up or who he was going to victimize. And, and he, would you consider him a true psychopath? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. By, by definition of, he believed that the people were lesser than him. He was outsmarting everybody. He was above it all. I mean, there's just, there's a, a checklist, right, of psychopath tendencies that he, he notched every one of them. Oh, absolutely. Even when he was, even when he was in, uh, when he was in custody, he just didn't understand the big deal. He didn't understand why people got so upset that he killed people because he said, you know, I needed to do this. I needed this. And it was just uh, just totally me-oriented. For entitled. Him. He was an entitled sociopath. Yeah, yeah. So, and you wonder how many of those we're raising nowadays. Right. So you're in the KBI at the time, and you guys start putting this together. He sends notes 
to the newspaper and to the to the uh, local news station, basically taunting them. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it, there was a professor down there who had written a book called Nightmare Nightmare in Wichita, and it was supposedly the story of BTK. And when uh, Dennis Rader saw that, I mean, he he could not have anybody else take his glory, and that's really what prompted him to come you know, sending out the letters and come back to life, basically. So he was working, but he had a job. And the scary thing is, uh, at least uh, if it's true, he worked for ADT for a long period, like 10 years, right? He did. He, he worked for them. He worked for the, uh, uh, he worked for the Census Bureau. He went around, they went around the state. Matter of fact, he was, we, uh, you know, it's a little less known. We tracked him in different cities around the state uh, that he had visited where he targeted people he had you know gone to their houses he had hoped to kill them but they didn't come home so he stole some of their stuff and he still had it you know 25 years later when we arrested him yeah and and did you ever go back to those people so what you're saying is he had he had done his setup the btk setup watched them thought he knew their pattern got let himself into their house hid inside their home waiting for them to get there and when they didn't come back in a certain amount of time, he decided it was time to get out, but he'd steal something from them. Oh, yeah. And yeah. did you go back and tell those people, hey, just so you know, like, this almost happened to you? Or do you contact them at all? You know, we did. We did go back and and, uh, and contact them all. that we, All the ones we could identify based on the belongings that we found. Um, it, you know, and most of them were pretty upset. And uh, one lady in particular I talked to, she was like, at the time we talked to her, she was like 62, six, mid-60s, and we told her, said, remember that burglary report you you filed way back when? And, and you know, the guy had stolen, you know, some of your underwear and some miscellaneous things. And she said, yeah. And she said, I said, well, that was a serial killer. God. Uh, I figured she'd just break down and cry. She goes, basically, she said, oh, huh, that's nice. Jesus Christ. <laughs> she, she didn't, it didn't bother her at all. I'm a grown man, and I, I'd be geeked the F out and move out of my house right away. Because, oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's, it's too much. You just And this was a guy who, by all definition, he shows up as the textbook, right? As a kid, he hurt and tortured animals. He had all the, the uh, sexual fantasies about helpless women. Um, uh, he, he, was, he would, uh, what did he say, torture, kill, and hang small animals. Uh, oh, yeah. He was autoerotic asphyxiation, cross-dressing, and... Uh, and just filled with with rage and fetishes. Really was. I mean, he, you know, he he just. It's really tough to tell what exactly motivated. I mean, serial killers by nature are kind of manipulative, and he's done a lot of interviews since his arrest, and you know, he's told some different stories, and but we did some background with people that knew him, knew his family, and uh, they were all. Uh, you know, they the people we talked to said, "Oh no," he said, "You know," said he's not the weird one. It's his brother who's really weird. And so I was like, "I never met the uh, the brother, but this this was enough." So wow. And so how crazy is the thing? Because is uh, by the way, if you're just joining the show, uh, Ray Lundine is with us, uh, KBI Bureau of Investigation, retired now, but he was. You put the cuffs on BTK. You were the guy who uh, you were like, "We're going to get him. We know who it is. We're taking him down." And correct. Yeah, well, I uh, technically uh, Dana Gouge, one of the uh, Wichita police detectives, and I, I, I was first one to uh, Dennis's truck, and uh, as I say, I pulled him out of the truck and introduced him to the concrete, and <laughs> Dana, came up, uh, 
left handcuffs on him. And it, it was the strangest thing. I mean, we, of course, we had all these, you know, we had guys there with automatic weapons and, all, you know, probably a dozen guys with guns pointed at him. When we handcuffed him, stood him up, I was just, I was inches away and he was looking right in my face. And he was as calm as calm can be. And he told me, he said, would you mind telling my wife I won't be home for lunch? I assume you know where I live. That was it. Just because just as calm, you know, and he, I, I couldn't get over it. He, uh, do you think he wanted to be caught or do you think he believed he couldn't be caught? You know, I think it's a misconception to believe he, he, he wanted to be caught because he didn't want to be caught. But, uh, he, you know, he he was playing on the edge, and and he he liked the the game. He wanted the game to continue. The little cat and mouse with the police, with the media, um, that he relished. He loved that. Um, you know, now in the aftermath of the, his arrest, I mean, I know he he relished all the media attention. He loved that. Um, but did, uh, did you interview his? Did you interview his family? Um. I I interviewed his son, um, and uh, I talked to his wife briefly uh, on the day he was arrested. And of course, she was in complete denial. and And uh, her daughter had called her on the phone while we were talking to her, and uh, she she told her daughter, she reassured her daughter, she said, "You know, this is a this is a horrible mistake. You know, your daddy wouldn't do this." And, and you know, within a couple of days later, she had filed for an emergency divorce, I think, and, and had come to realize that, in fact, for 30-some years, she'd been living with a serial killer. So, and, and in retrospect, nobody says, oh, my God, how did I miss that? Did, did anybody ever come up and say, yeah, no, there were signs, or do they still to this day believe that, that he had perfectly covered it all? You know, the funny thing is when we were working the case down in Wichita, and the public gave you know, there were thousands of leads, thousands of names called in about suspicious people in Wichita, or hundreds of maybe not thousands, but hundreds. And this guy's name never came up once. Nobody ever reported him as a as a possible uh, BTK suspect. Um, so, I mean, he covered his tracks well. And, and, you know, we talked to people from his church and, uh, you know, who were friends with him. And, and I saw grown men cry because they, they could not believe that they were friends with this monster. Sure. Of course. And and then it goes dark. Was it 91 that it just went dark and went cold? Uh, yeah, I think so. That's about the time it, it seemed to have gone uh, cold. But in in, retro, in reality, um, he he told us, he said he just really didn't have the time to do what he wanted to do. And so he started focusing more of his, uh, uh, his urges on himself and, uh, and some other perversions that he engaged in. And so there, thankfully there were no victims. Um, but he had targeted in 2004, um, he had targeted the friend or the mother of his daughter's friend um, and was planning on killing her there in Wichita while the investigation was on, active and ongoing. Uh, he bought all the accoutrements to to hang her and, and to uh, put, put her up in his house. And he had planned to, to burn the house down so the fire department would come and discover the body. And 
He had all these little glorious plans made. And uh, he was actually there with all his equipment, knocking on this woman's door. Um, when he turned around and he saw there was a construction crew out on the street near her house, and somebody was looking right at him. It scared him enough that he aborted his plan and and uh, went back and wanted to start again. God, and he had, and you understand, like what he was doing. Anybody listening, he had such a broad range of of uh, weird uh, fetishes and murderous needs. Like, what he he killed that one lady and he took her to a church, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He he hauled her to his church and then took pictures of her in the church. That's how we knew um, because we recovered those pictures. He still had all those pictures. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's, you begin to understand, I mean, you know, how the church, his reality and his, and his fantasy life started, started intermingling and then he couldn't differentiate between the two anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, when you dig in, he was one of the most terrifying pieces of evil anybody could imagine. He killed not elderly people and children. He, it was, yeah. it's, and I don't know if, if, I guess my, my impression has always been the serial killers. Many of them have a very specific victim, and they tend to stay in that. But he just, he was across the board. Men, women, elderly, young, as young as nine years old, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, the, the youngest was nine, and I think the oldest was 63. So it's it's terrifying. And he still had a wife. Remember, a wife, a job. He was in his church. Yes. He had children. He And and finally, what, what finally got him caught, Ray? Uh, you know, I think the... Ultimately, he decided he would stop sending letters to the media, and he wanted to um, he wanted to send us his messages on what was then you know the uh, was that the three and a half inch floppy disk or yes. whatever it was. Yeah, and, uh, uh, you know he he decided to to go high tech at the time, I guess. And uh, um, when the IT people there at Wichita PD saw that disc come in they said you know this is it we're gonna get him here um and we had seen video of him we had we had captured uh him delivering some uh doing some message delivering uh near home depot there in wichita we had caught him on video but it was so far off that we couldn't really tell anything um but that but that last message uh that computer disc really was his undoing um but we had to confirm it with DNA, and uh, luckily, we were able to obtain a, uh, a pap smear sample that his daughter had given while she was attending Kansas State as a student. Uh, we got that by court order. We compared that to the uh, to the known DNA from the crime scenes, and the uh, the DNA told us that um, this his daughter was the offspring of BTK. So. We were uh, we were locked in locked and loaded and ready to go then because they found the metadata that's underneath everything on this disc. Uh, it yeah, said metadata on that disc just just gave it just gave him away. Yeah, Christ Lutheran Church, which took him that, and then the name Dennis. And all they did was search the records, and one of the main people in the in the officiants was Dennis Rader. So you find your Dennis, you find that, you connect your DNA. Now it's it's a pretty strong case, but you got to really make sure that you got the guy now. Yeah, yeah, you want. I mean, you know, you want you want everything you can possibly get. Every prosecutor will tell you, you know, videotape, confessions, all this stuff is great stuff. And uh, after he was arrested, 
he sat down and he played games for a couple of hours with the FBI profiler and uh, the lieutenant uh, of the Wichita PD homicide unit, uh, Kenny Landwehr. He played games with him for a little while, but eventually um, the FBI profiler told him, said, just say who you are. And uh, he made him say the words BTK. And uh, from there, I mean, we went into about 36 hours of him telling the stories and, and really him enjoying telling us the stories of all his kills. Yeah, that was his great encore, wasn't it? Like to, to be able to tell finally tell all the things he had done and, and in such terrible ways. He he needed that. He needed to, to voice that and, and have people know it. Yeah, you know, it, it wasn't like, you know, and I, I've talked to a lot of homicide suspects over my career, and, you know, all of them show a degree of remorse or, you know, either sadness that they're caught or sadness that they did this. Yeah. But this guy, nothing, nothing, no if somebody once described somebody, uh, yeah, basically he's he's just he's an unfinished soul. I mean, he just doesn't have the what we all think is normal empathy or the ability to feel something for anybody. He had none of that. How he carried on a relationship with his wife and children, I don't understand. And the, because the son said they had a great family life, he said it was like a leave it to Beaver life. We went on vacations. Dad was involved in sports, scouts, everything. But then yeah. you and they have this other side that's just ungodly horrible. Yeah, no, it, it's it's impossible to imagine how it, it slides by us, and that's what makes everything so terrifying to me. Is you realize, you know, we think, oh, it's the weird guy who lives by himself or lives in his mother's basement. And no, this guy was uh, on all levels. He knew to present as a church member, a scout leader, uh, involved in his kids' lives. He was married. He had a job. He is not a drifter. He is a guy able to go to work every day and hold down those jobs. And, and function and then release this other terrible piece of evil that's never ending. It's been in him since he was a child. Yeah. 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 Gnarly. That's the, I think that's the scary part for everybody, that we have to admit there are people that walk among us, maybe somebody we see in the grocery store, maybe somebody sitting next to us in the bar. You just don't really know who they are. Right. That's exactly right. That's and I try to talk to people like this, and it's not that I'm not a trusting person. I'm just aware that you don't know and that you have to be uh, somewhat aware of your surroundings. Like, hey, don't get lax just because someone's smiling because they seem loose, because they seem fine. I'm like, pay attention to what's going around you, especially if you're a young woman. Like, you have got to see what's okay. around you. It doesn't mean you got to walk around with your hand on your gun in your pocket all the time. It just means, listen. People who are smart and want to victimize other people know how to make people relax. They know they want the element of surprise. They know that if they come at them very hard, most likely they'll just turn into a limp noodle and accept it for a moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and this is their trade. I mean, they're, you know, as, as we might be good at, at you know, uh, you know, being a nurse, being a fireman, whatever it is, that's their trade. That's, that's their passion in life. That's what drives them. And they're good at what they do especially serial killers. Yeah, no, they've, they've gone it over and over and over it a million times in their head. They have their 10,000 hours of what they want to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, listen, Ray, I got to tell you, I love having you on the show here. And uh, we're going to keep your number. And, and if we can, when this subject comes up about BTK or a serial killer somewhere out in the world, uh, I'd like to think, and I hope that we can call you again because your, your insight and your knowledge of this is second to none. Well, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. And uh, absolutely, uh, give me a call anytime. I really enjoyed it. Hope everybody. Oh, that's incredible. Hold on, Ray. Stay there. And thank you for everything. Thank you. Uh, 
What a, what a, God, what a brave bastard. I mean, like. Yeah, because he knows what it is. You know, somebody's got to take it on. And we think we know. He's seen every photograph. He's been to the crime scenes. He's seen all the horror. He knows the names of the people. He knew the little kids that got killed, what grade they were in, what their teachers' names were, what their clothing, what they were wearing, what toys they had in their room. You know, when you investigate mm-hmm. these scenes, like, you have to assimilate that as a, as a police officer, as an investigator. Um, he knew the lady that got yeah. away, like, right. unwittingly, like, had no idea, just thought it was a break-in. So you think about what these guys have to ingest and then go on to live their own lives. Mm-hmm. I mean... To me, it's, it's, I'm always uh, blown away by that. You know, we, we talk about PTSD with soldiers, of course. And, and we talk about it with guys who ride in EMS and firefighters and police, but investigators of things like this. The fact that you have to get inside that guy's head, you have to try to figure a way to capture this guy and stop him. And every time they get one more kill under their belt was another time. And I don't care who you are, you have to feel a sense of responsibility because you didn't get to them before they got to the next person. Mm-hmm. So you've got to it, you just you can't be like, I went to work, I looked at some paperwork and then I went home. Oh. You have to be as obsessed as that killer about finding and stopping them. And, and that, that's what it takes. The whole rabbit hole of what could I have done? What should of I have course. done? Like that's a whole t- right turn. Yeah. But yeah, how do you unpack that and try to go about normal? Because you are built like a normal person, but you have the skill and you said the bravery to actually and try to catch and, these people. And you're ingesting it. Yeah. You know, it's it's still something. It, it's I don't care who you are and what you think from the outside. Like, ah, it won't affect me. It, it's inside yeah. you now. It's the truth. They're real. They become real people, not a headline, not a name on an, in an article, not a, a picture online. Uh, it, they, you spend so much time learning about the victims and seeing what happened to them that you have to, you, it all becomes part of you. So what? trust me, there's a heart inside of that guy and guys like Ray that, that is uh, the heart of a lion. And you better thank your lucky stars that people like that still exist because yeah. without them, this guy would still be running. And, and he would occasionally, you know, BTK, you know, he would, Dennis Rader would have constantly, that monster would have gotten out again, even if he tried oh. to pack it away. There's, it's insatiable, the, the, the evil. That he went in and that, imagine you're going in, you know you're trying to investigate this, you know you're looking for information and for clues, and to come up on the pictures of the woman in the church. Right. Your heart has to stop in that moment of Jesus Christ. Here's confirmation, but Jesus Christ, I'm looking at it. Well, and you, you know it would have continued because what do we talk about all the time? Serial killer, whatever, the drug, the high of the game that he was getting away with, he clearly couldn't walk away from it. Like he, he couldn't get away from it. So BTK would have, he would have continued if not for dudes like Ray of and course. his whole team and the KBI and the law enforcement who were like, yeah, this guy, it, it, it can't go on anymore. If you've ever read it, if you ever read a book that's on the BTK, like a straight, no, no, I'll, I'll it read depends online, on, but no. on your head, how bad you want to know, yeah. but it, it is the darkest. Like we get kind of desensitized to the John Wayne Gacy like, he had a certain model. He found young gay men. Right, and, I know what you're and saying. And say, I want to have a relationship, and then he would murder them. That yeah. was his. It was, it was pretty specific. And for some reason, I think in our heads, we can, we can, it's not okay, obviously, but we we think, ah, oh, so terrible. But you think about a guy like BTK, you know, normally. You type. Yeah, the, the, you know, you, you talk about the, um, uh, you know, the guy in San Francisco, uh, uh, Richard Ramirez. Yeah. He had yeah. a very specific thing that he wanted to do. It was mostly anger towards women. This guy, his job, his thing, because he was such a psychopath, was to terrify 
he wanted to be alive for a little while. And then he wanted to tie them up in certain ways. He wanted to take pictures of them. And if you were a child or you were a male or you were a female, if you were old or you were young, it didn't matter. He needed to lord over you with that terror. That he was truly one of the most evil I've ever read about. Yeah. And then he could unzip that and be, hey, let's go to Scouts. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.